0: What's up, peeps? Welcome in. It's another episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast. Really stoked to share this convo with you. It's with my dear friend, Jason Picard. You've all had, it, had the opportunity to meet his brother, Jared, founder of Be Here Farm and Nature. Jason is an absolute wizard. After years of mega success on Wall Street, he's transitioned his life to being a true student and thereby master of wellness, deep spiritual, a deeply spiritually practiced human being. This episode is chock full of wisdom from a guy who had... Massive success in the material realm and found his way, transitioned his life in a completely new direction. I think you guys will really love it and get a whole lot out of it. This episode is always brought to you by our family over at Strong Coffee. Got the Caffeine Cowboys Kings of Coffee hat on here. Strong Coffee, you know what it is. One of my favorite products on the planet. You've got adaptogens. Good fats, collagen. These are amazing. Instant coffee and lattes. Highly recommend it. Use code EBFLOW at checkout. Get yourself 20% off. Then Sun Potion. Shout out to my brother Scott Lind, founder of Sun Potion. Some of the, the most potent and efficacious, that means highly efficient, adaptogenic products on the planet everything from pine pollen ashwagandha these are massive testosterone boosters men for all you guys out there he's also got the yin power and everything that the ladies need check it out use code ebb and flow 20 get yourself 20 percent off there heal and flow heal and flow in wimberley texas march 23 and 24 cannot wait guys Yes, we're doing yoga, we're doing breath work, we're doing the ice tubs, it's going to be amazing food, all of that good stuff, but Heal & Flow, this is a transformative experience. You literally change your life. You step through the portal of Heal & Flow, one person, you come out the other side, a new, recharged, higher functioning version of yourself. Can't wait to see you guys there. Hit the link in the show notes if you're interested. You can register immediately. We've only got a limited number of spots left. Also, men, following Heal & Flow, March 31, doing another Wild King six-week men's workshop. This is six weeks to tap in, get clear, and step into your masculine power. Be the king you are destined to be. It's gonna be awesome i'm super stoked about it this is the this is the work of my life and i'm happy to share it with you guys so enjoy this episode and i'll see y'all on the flip side peace
1: you have unlocked the eternal link to internal source the key of imagination your admission
0: jason eb man i'm stoked for this bro this is so cool i'm so glad to be here super fun me too man um i've got an ear infection in my right ear jason just did some he did one biogeometry technique. I've got that taped to my yep. chest. And then we did some acupuncture tacks in my ear. And you use your little instrument, feel where the friction was, and then place them in those spots. Definitely, like I was telling you when you put them in, there was a little, little release in there. And... Um, just to start with that, I thought it'd be yeah. interesting. So, this ear infection popped up this weekend, and it came after this phone call I had. I get ear infections, like doing hot yoga, I get sweat in my ear, Yeah, get mild ear infection. And interestingly, my mom was just saying that... I've gotten ear infections since I was a kid. The ear, it's all about. Ear infection in particular is about not wanting to hear something or your body shutting down. And it actually, in Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, she talks yeah. about parental arguing. Right. And this was my experience of that. And so as a little kid who... You know, dealt with a tumultuous parental environment. There was a lot of fighting. Yeah, not wanting to hear that. Not wanting to hear that. Understandable. And last night, I took in all that information about the hearing and the listening and what this ear infection came on the heels of. And I was thinking to myself, I was playing a game of, and it's been fucking painful, dude. Like, this has been one of the worst I've had. Some of the worst pain I've experienced in a long time, actually. That's saying a lot for you, too. You've been through a lot of
2: pain. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I was thinking about it last night, and I was just playing this game of, oh, my body, as this super intelligent organism, took it upon itself to shut down my right ear, because what was coming in, was so poisonous and toxic that it said no more we're locking it down we're not taking that in anymore yeah and playing that game all of a sudden i felt this gratitude and this peace about my ear and going oh thank you body for doing what i've been struggling to do almost my whole life which is not here taking the words of people outside of me and i'm going through this this whole trip of releasing myself from this need, this codependency on external harmony and creating inner harmony mm-hmm. and letting the harmony of my life be a reflection of my inner harmony rather than trying to move and navigate and coerce my outside surroundings into being harmonious. Yeah. You know? Totally. Um, so that's where I'm at. Today, I texted you last night. Hey, brother, just curious if we could move the date. I didn't really want to because I've been excited to have this convo. Yeah. And he said, we could. Tomorrow would be best for me. I totally get it. Ear infection. Not fun. If we had to, you let me know. And this morning, I woke up feeling a lot better. Can't really hear out of my right ear. Right now. Um... But my energy is definitely better, and I'm stoked to be here with you, man.
2: Thank you. Thanks
0: for making it work. Yeah, dude. Thank you. you.
2: I think what you're hitting on is a really interesting thing because we have this consensus reality level. Okay. We have on consensus reality, this agreed upon, more physical level, we have an ear infection. Uh huh. But what lies underneath that level is the level of dreaming. Mm. And so. When we have something challenging in our life, like a body symptom or Mm. something disturbing or a conflict, even like a synchronicity or a coincidence, we can look at them and saying, what's the message in it for me? Mm. Mm -hmm. If I could look through my ear back at me, Mm. what would I tell myself? (laughs) You know, where am I closed off? Mm. Where do I need to be more open and where do I need to be more closed down like you said? And in that way, we turn these body symptoms that often we feel the victim of Mm. to be our ally. Mm -hmm. And I actually find this even in the investing world to be quite phenomenal because when I was on Wall Street, a lot of people were constantly taking painkillers and uh, Advil and Tylenol and all sorts of Tums and things to medicate the symptoms. Right. But if I'm there and I'm going to go make a trade— And all of a sudden I feel a headache or I feel some nausea or I feel a knot in my stomach. Instead of masking that, what if I leaned into it and said, what if there's some information there? What if this investment I'm going to make is going to give me a headache Mm. or it's going to turn my stomach into knots? Mm. If I feel bloated, maybe I can ask, is my portfolio a little bloated? Mm. Where is it underweight or overweight and start to use the intelligence of our body? as a dreaming signal to awaken us to our greatest potential. Mm. And that way, these symptoms become little messages that we're not listening to. And when we lean into them, and when we explore them with great curiosity, we can start to understand the meaning behind them, and then they no longer need to be there. Think think about if you had like a song stuck in your head. Mm. Many of us hear these songs all the time, Mm. and we're like, what in the fuck you know I just want to get this thing why do I have this song in my head Yeah, but what if it was there as a messenger
0: mm.
2: it, what if you listen to the lyrics the quality the energy the rhythm the essence of that song and ask yourself what was it about that song that you need to hear today to support your life your work or your relationships and then when you actually understand that if you move that through your body if you are curious about it it no longer needs to be stuck in your head because it delivered the message. And this also works for the inner critic, Mm. which is a big thing in athletics and performance Mm -hmm. of all kinds. We have these voices in our head that are telling us, Oh, you're not good enough. You shouldn't do that. And most of the time we just kind of like try to repress them, push it away. But what if you actually started talking to it?
1: Mm.
2: Hey, what's going on? What do you have to say? Well, I don't agree with that. Or, you know, Oh, I see your point of view. And you start to facilitate these voices and these experiences and you open up to this entire dream level, which is really, really to me rich because all of a sudden these events in your life that seem random and meaningless become purposeful, Mm. become they're acting as agents for your greatness and your, your fullest potential.
0: Bro, this is what I'm talking about, dude. Let's go. Let's go, dude. No, it's (laughs) such a, that's such a powerful shift when you change your relationship or you shift your relationship out of being a victim of the circumstances, the injury, the disease, the inner critic, all of that stuff. You shift your relationship from that into investigative into what's here for me. Yeah. You know, what message is coming to me? My body has always been this instrument of messages, this instrument of what's going on here. For instance, my, after my going into my second year in the NFL, i ruptured a disc in my back L five S one. Yeah. And it was a massive injury. It, completely shocked my system and it was when I look back it was totally linked to my psycho emotional state at the time yeah like the back is all about support it's you're carrying the weight of the world on your back you're not supported supporting yourself you're not living in a way that supports your way of being all of these things money finances all of that stuff is right there in the low back and of course, that's what gave out for me. That's what blew out, literally. Yeah. And so looking back, and I think about where I was at in my life, my inner life at that time, that was right on point. Of course, my back took that trauma. Yeah. You know? Um, the body is so intelligent. It's super I mean, and we, intelligent.
2: We, 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 we look out at the world and we get amazed by artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm but the intelligence of the human body Ugh. the million trillion reactions that are happening right now digesting mm. our breakfast breathing us pumping our heart you know we we can remember like a barely remember a seven digit phone number yeah but her body remembers everything that's ever happened to
0: us totally
2: there are phenomenal unimaginable inconceivable things that are happening to us right now, as we're speaking here, that we don't even come close to understanding Mm. it's the real original intelligence. Mm -hmm. And when you start to use it to guide your life
1: Mm.
2: and you know, think about the intelligence of the dreaming process. Mm. You go to sleep at night and without doing anything, you dream up all of the repressed material, all of the Mm. secondary things that you're not in touch with. And you can wake up in the morning and while you're literally sleeping, You have a direct message, customized, a perfect algorithm for you through symbols that only you can understand Mm. of how you can grow and learn and discover more about yourself. There, you know, in this world of artificial intelligence, we need to get back to the official intelligence, which is listening to the intelligence of our heart, Mm. the wisdom of our body, and the profound. Wisdom of our dreaming process during the day, during the night, and the living dream.
0: Dude, I love that. I want to talk more about, I want you to break down the dream, the dream layer more. Before you do that, though, I want to bring up something that you said that I thought was really profound before we started shooting was that our bodies are naturally built. To be in the flow of truth, yeah, and we're so far away from that, yeah. In most in modern culture, we've just because it's not, it's not deemed appropriate or accepted to be in that state of truth, inner truth, mm-hmm. and how when we're out of alignment in that, all sorts of things arise, yeah. So I, I wanted you to just if anything just resay that. Yeah, it's it's and hit that point because I think there's there's no deeper truth in the functionality of our physical body.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, this can be proven by muscle testing. Which right, right. Is is you know is not ne- is not just this esoteric concept. You can measure this by going into a lab and holding your arm out and having a weight on top and saying a truthful statement and saying a not truthful statement and seeing how much weight you can hold. Mm. And it shows that when you're in truth, the strength of your ligaments and your muscles is stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know that there's these physiological responses because if you do a lie detector test, right. And you're lying, it Mm. shows a response. It shows maybe your heart rate or your blood pressure or sweating. Uh You know, anyone who's ever played poker, (laughs) <laughs> knows to look for somebody's tells, mm. right? This is what custom agents and probably police officers and various people are trained to do. And in mm. fact, as a process work facilitator, something that I practice, we look for these signals in our clients. And so anytime there is an incongruency, the body will produce what's called a double signal. Mm. So if you ever seen somebody and you see him on the street and you say, Hey, how you doing? They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And they're like shaking their head. No. Right. Yeah. There's the body will never lie. will lie. And so only less than 10% of the available information comes from what we're saying.
1: Mm. But Mm -hmm. what
2: we're, what we're feeling, our body posture, the tone of our voice, our energy, the way we stand and hold ourselves, the way our eyes go up or down or mm. close or we sink down or any of these kind of manifestations mm-hmm. are our body's way of saying we're not congruent. And mm. in fact, this is one of the most helpful things in relationships because mm. you go to your girlfriend and say, hey, honey, do you want to go out for dinner tonight? And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go, <laughs> right? And you're like, all right, let's go. And the next thing you know, you're sitting at a restaurant and you get into a fight because you saw, there's something deeper Yeah. But when yeah. you can be curious about your own signals, when you can notice your own incongruencies or your partners, mm. and this is really important in the business world because you go to one of your employees and you say, Hey, can you work on this project? And they say yes, because they're afraid to say no, right. but they give you a double signal.
0: Uh-huh. If you
2: can pick up on that, you know that they're not the right person for the job because mm. they're probably not going to be even doing it well because there's some kind of incongruency. Right. So just holding a curiosity And saying, I I noticed that you kind of looked down and turned away or your energy dropped or your voice inflected or something. Mm. Mm -hmm. Is there more there that you want to say? And then maybe the girlfriend says, you know, look, um, I'm really tired. I had a long day. I really love to just watch a movie tonight. Why don't we go out tomorrow night?
0: Exactly. And I'm like, boom, let's do it. Perfect. And now we're in harmony, Uh right? Yeah. And
2: so we can notice this in ourselves, yeah, and we can notice this in other people Mm. and, you know, it's like having your own lie detector test for whether or not you're congruent about a statement. And and to answer your earlier question, i believe that this is an evolutionary development because imagine if we were in a tribe. huh And uh, you know, somebody ate 30 bananas that was right. supposed to be one for everybody. Uh-huh. And so i think in terms of survival mechanism the totally bo- no. the body has shown that when somebody's not truthful, there needs to be a response that could be picked up on. To protect the larger mass.
0: Bro, so good, man. Um this my mind is exploding with places to go and thoughts on this and one thing I think is interesting to bring up. I was hanging out with Dave Meltzer. You know Dave? No. Uh massive sports executive, was a big sports agent for a long time. Now he's like an entrepreneur. I mean, he's he's beyond an entrepreneur, like just an amazing dude. Super tapped in. Like he would love this conversation. And I was teaching at this men's group, this men's retreat last week and was hanging out with Dave and he said to me, he'd gotten through my yoga and we were just jamming and he was sharing some things he's working on. And I was telling him where I'm at. And he said, Ed, I like to think of ourselves as selves. Ourselves are ourselves are all individual selves and they're all interacting, you know, and each one of these selves creates a basis for consciousness. And then there's the bigger self. And then there's our highest self. And all of them are sort of working, hopefully, in alignment with one another. And yet, when there's incongruencies, that's going to create these chasms in the whole organism, right? Mm -hmm. And then thinking about that from an evolutionary standpoint of, we are all individuals. However, when we're living in a tribe, the tribe is the organism. And so... Same thing if a cell goes cancerous and then there's all these cells around them, like that's going to affect it and they got to get it under control by various means. You know what I mean? And so if, if an individual is acting in or in or out of congruency with the whole organism it creates rifts and disease disease and all of that stuff. So it's interesting how, naturally, and I see this all the time, this, this is an image that comes into my mind frequently about consciousness and about society as a whole, but each individual is holding this one place and the greater scheme of the organism. And when one of us is off, it throws off however many else it throws out those ripples. And so when you're living in this tribal community, like we were and I think there's there's a big movement back into that, whether it's, you know, living directly on the land or not. Men's groups that you do. Yeah. All of these things, these, these microcosmic immersions of the tribal experience coming back into the fold, which I think is so awesome and necessary, but. You know, it's like it's like you said, it's completely perfect and built into the nature of the grand organism of the human race, the human humankind, just like in all things in nature, how when there's imbalances, it's going to show it's going to ripple out where it's going to be completely obvious when you're paying attention to it. It's so true. And the other thing I was thinking the other day, I don't know why this came to me, but I was thinking about Sherlock Holmes and I was thinking about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and how weirdly Sherlock Holmes was this, it feels like it was his opportunity to write a story that showed us how to be the observer Mm -hmm. of our environment. And just like you're saying, dude, like you that's so simple and genius and true. When you're in relationships with someone, when you're the boss, when you've got people working with you or for you, being able to look deeper, because that was a big part of my experience in the NFL. I come back from the back injury. First game back, I get a guy thrown into my ankle. I get a low, high ankle sprain. I'm asked to keep playing through it. I can't. I need... Minimum six weeks off to recover. Lucky I didn't need surgery. They bring me back after three weeks. I get my fucking ass kicked because I'm playing an all-pro D tackle. Get benched. And here I am being a guy who this was my family, this team. The football team, the coaches, or my father's. Like, this is my fucking family. And all of a sudden, I'm benched. And I go from being the golden child to being an exile and nobody there can talk to me about it, you know, and I'm looking at their face going, guys, can you just, what's going on here? And nobody could talk to me about it. Like nobody, the words that were coming out of their mouth, I could see the choking in their throat. Yeah. I could see how they were in this state of conflict, whatever was going on. You know, nobody could say to me. Eb, you're injured. We need to put this guy in for now so that you can get healthy and right. give me that opportunity. i had been starting for the last four years, you know, and all of a sudden it's just like, Eb, you're a pariah. You can't be here. We need to start the young guy, which completely isolated me. I was like, fuck all y'all. I'm over this shit would show up to the facility stoned out of my mind. <laughs> you know, at five thirty 30, 5 a.m., It was my happy time. I'd load up the vape with cannabis, hit it about four or five times before driving to the facility. You know? Yeah. And I'm just like, well, nobody else seems to care about me, so I'm just going to do my thing, you know? And completely disconnected myself from the team. Now, going back to just everything you're saying, if we can as leaders, especially, and as, as partners, as leaders and partners, if we can hone that skill of looking at the double signals and being curious about it, because it's also another layer of not taking things personally, right? It's like not becoming the victim of it. Oh, well, they don't like me or, Oh, fuck them. Or, we don't think the same or whatever it is. It's like, no, that person is having an entire experience inside of them that they're not sharing because we've grown up in a society where you're not really safe to share because the moment you share, I'm tired, honey, I don't want to go out. Somebody goes, why are you tired? You know? Oh, you don't want to go out rather than, Oh, that let's just chill. Let's chill.
2: You know? Yeah, there's so many things to, to say on that. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say when you're talking about these tribes, you know, you can consider them organizations. Uh-huh. And organizations are made up of organisms right. or organs. Mm. We are the organs of, of the organizations. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? They're alive, yeah. they're totally alive. Yeah. And the cells that we have are like cell phones. Mm. We're so amused. By our cell phones Mm. and wireless technology, Wi-Fi, but our cells are producing that same Wi-Fi internally and Mm. giving us that same kind of wireless connection to the global consciousness Mm. that's available and to our body's intelligence and all of those things. So we literally have that same kind of quality of intelligence inside of us that we're fascinated with on the other side mm-hmm. and this whole thing of double signals and conflict is that ultimately it leads to deeper intimacy,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it,
2: it, which is kind of like a paradox, but no, well, ult- it's so ult- true, dude. Ultimately, you know, in one of the, fa- in the four phase model of conflict work that I study in, in the first phase, you have to have like a time when everything's chill, mm. which many people don't even have uh-huh. in re- a lot of relationships. They're always fighting. Uh huh. And then you move into phase two where there's a conflict. Mm. And in this phase, you really stand for your side. Mm. I really want to go out to dinner tonight. Mm. I really don't want to go out to dinner tonight. You know, this is a simple thing, but you can imagine. And some people have a really hard time standing up for themselves. Mm. Mm -hmm. And some groups like social activists activist groups get really stuck in this phase where uh, they're only seeing their side
0: just in conflict. All but the,
2: time. the, yeah, but the magic comes in phase three when you can start to take the other person's shoes, mm. you look to see from their perspective. Can you pick up 1% of the accusation? Can you see how in some way you're like them? Mm. Can you see how in some way you need their energy a little bit in your life, maybe in a different way? Hmm. And somehow together, you're producing some kind of transcendent function of really being curious about the other one's process to learn and deepen, knowing that together you can make something better than the parts. Mm. And so, you know, conflict work and double signal work, all of these things. Wait, so what's the fourth? The fourth phase is really is a little bit more advanced, but it's essentially detaching and letting the universe move through you. Okay. So maybe you imagine you You imagine you know you go through a process of of imagining your're at your favorite spot in nature and sort of shapeshift into the ocean or into the mountains and then look at the relationship conflict from the perspective of the ocean or the mountains or the desert, and then see how that changes your perspective from phase two, mm. which is needs a little bit more nuancing from somebody who knows how to do it, but even going to phase three where you just start to get curious about the other side that can lead to a lot and that really is the the main problem we have right now with all the polarities is that nobody's willing to step into the other person's shoes
0: 1000% mm. something that comes to my mind and I'd love to I'd love to hear your thoughts on this What is the line that any of us can draw in a moment of conflict in our lives where we can discern or what is the process by which we can discern when there's something to really fight for Mm -hmm. and when there's some, a moment to surrender? or compromise because I think for a lot of men in particular, and I've been in this position, we get to this place where, you know, in a lot of relationships in America, I would say, and not, I have no idea what the percentage would be, what, what the ratio of this would be, but there's a lot of relationships between men and women In current times in the contemporary era where women have really assumed the masculine role in their lives and men have unknowingly, perhaps unconsciously assumed a more feminine position, which essentially manifests in all of the little decisions get thrown to the the wife, the woman partner which leads to all the decisions get thrown to her. You know what I'm saying? Because they've there's been this thing where men sort of like take this subservient backseat. And it takes a lot of work actually in today's culture for a man to understand what it means to hold the masculine pole, hold the masculine end of the spectrum in the relationship in a way that allows the woman to be in her feminine, which she wants to be in. Is this making sense? Yeah. And so in relationships in particular, we can fall into this place where it's all just a compromise or it's all just a surrender. And we're rarely just fighting for what we really want.
2: I think the answer is a yes. And Mm. I think that it's important to stand up for your truth. And at the same time, recognize that everyone, every voice, every part deserves a seat at the table. Mm. Even in the most atrocious groups, there's something there that can be offered for us, an understanding, uh, an energy, uh, a compassion, something, Mm. is that every religion, every part of an organization that... The CEO might have more weight in a vote and a merger and an acquisition than the receptionist, but that receptionist's voice matters. Mm. And to the extent that you ignore any one part of yourself or a relationship or an organization, it becomes an inner terrorist. Mm. And starts working against you. Mm. You ever yeah. been, you ever work in a company or something, you know, where all of a sudden there's closed doors meetings and there's gossiping mm. and there's things that are going on behind the doors and it starts to create a whole oh, shit It's a show. cancer. It's a cancer, right? Yeah. Because, because you get inner terrorists. Mm-hmm. But when you bring everybody in and you say, look, we, we want to hear from everyone's voice. We might not take the decision, but we recognize that everyone deserves a seat at the table. Mm hmm. And that, that also goes to every part of ourselves where there's an outward eldering, mm. but then an inner eldering mm. where we respect our ear, uh-huh. we respect our dreams, right. we respect our fantasies, we respect our heart, our body, et cetera. Mm. And so that, I, 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 think, I think there is a yes and of, it's very important to stand for your truth. Your individuality is so important, but at the same time recognize that you're still only one part. And even if you're fighting against something that you know is so wrong, mm. there may still be, even if it's like a homeopathic dose, there may be something to discover in the other side mm. that you don't have all of the answer. Uh-huh. And one simple one that our buddy Paul check says is that, ask yourself, if everyone on the planet did this, would the world be a better place? Mm. If everyone on the planet threw their cigarette butt out the window, <laughs> would the world be a better place, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> You know, and th- there are times, I mean, you know, you're a warrior mm. and in ancient culture, warriors were very important, right? Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the creed of the warrior was to protect first mm. and harm only when necessary. Uh-huh. And the native American idea of a warrior is to be one, not at the effect of anyone in any place at any time, really uh-huh. being who you are. Uh-huh. So it's really important to be who you are. But yeah. interestingly in the native American culture for a man, the warriors in the East and the East is the home of the young girl. Mm. They believe that in us, we have four, um, orbs or assemblage points or like directions of consciousness that we have for a man on the North South axis. We have an elder man mm. and a young boy. Mm. And then on the East West, we have an elder woman and a younger girl. Mm. And often what happens is we get stuck in only one face or one shield uh-huh. because maybe we have, you know, Oh, men have to be like this or women have to be like this, or we have trauma in one or our father or our mother steps in and assumes one of those shields. Mm. But ultimately there's a fluidity mm-hmm. between all of these roles and the back to the East is that this warrior in the native American culture is the toughness of the warrior with the vulnerability, the courage, spontaneity, and the open heartedness of a young child, a mm. young girl, mm. really being who you are and wearing yeah. your heart on your sleeve. Mm. And so back to relationships, one of the keys is fluidity. Mm. Anytime you get stuck in a role or a belief system, it's a it's a death. Yeah. Getting old is becoming rigid. Uh-huh. People who are getting old and who, who their life are starting to decline, you know, having various diseases. Typically, it's an, a rigidity of belief systems. Mm. And so when you get into relationships and you start to recognize that there are these roles, okay, I'm the fun parent. You're the disciplinarian. Uh-huh. I always initiate sex. Right. You never initiate sex. Right. I always make the plans. You never make the plans. Mm. You have to start switching it up. Yeah, You have to be fluid in all these roles and not get pigeonholed. And that's the key to a successful relationship. And also... A, a, a successful relationship with your own internal world yeah. is being fluid in all the parts of yourself, the masculine, the feminine, the warrior, the healer, the teacher, the parent, all of these things.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Too. You know, so,
2: so many of us in relationships, we get stuck in the roles of how they began. Mm. So we get into a relationship and I'm the one who makes the money and you're the one who... who does the housework. Right. And then you get to a point like eight years in the road where someone's just like, I'm just sick of doing this, right? right? This is not what I signed up for for life. And there needs to be a renegotiation. So even if you don't have your partner's consent for this, it's a really fun exercise to almost like shamanically do it where you can recognize, okay, my partner always seems to be a, a disciplinarian. And it's like kind of getting on me. And I'm, I'm recognizing that like I'm always the fun parent. Mm. Just having the mindset to just subtly be a little bit more strict. Okay, you guys got to clean up your toys now. Mm-hmm. You got to wash the dishes before you go to bed or whatever. Yeah, It opens up the door for the other partner to, to just naturally pick up the role because it's like a tug of war, uh-huh. a tension of polarities. Yeah, And when we let go a little bit of our side, it allows them to be more fluid. So I think the whole idea of these roles, no matter what they are, is, is a rigidity, and we need to be able to explore and be fluid between all of
0: them. Yeah, love that answer, dude. I think you're so right on there. Um, I was going to say something. That was so good. I think it was excellent.
2: Maybe we need another breath.
0: Yeah, let's <laughs> take a breath, brother.
2: Well, you were asking me earlier about the dreaming process.
0: Yes. I would love to talk about that. The dream layer. Or what do you talk about? The dream dream dreaming, process? Dreaming in just general. Just dreaming.
2: You know, it's just like we think we live in this random universe.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so. Well, we're so stuck in this material it's paradigm. so material.
2: But yeah. ima- imagine walking into a, you know, we were talking about a Basquiat painting. Mm. Imagine walking into like a Warhol museum or Basquiat or something like that Mm. and seeing all of the beautiful art on the wall Mm -hmm. and then thinking that it just randomly was there. Right. Like someone just like slapped it up on the board. There wasn't an artist. There wasn't a creator. There wasn't a curator. There wasn't a director. There wasn't a human resources, a receptionist or planner, all these Mm. things. Mm -hmm. But we look outside each day at the most beautiful art gallery you can ever imagine. Our planet. Mm. So much beauty. Yeah. Unimaginable beauty. Yeah. And we don't think that there's purpose behind it, mm. that there's some kind of intelligence that put it together. It's just random.
0: Well, that's the, that's the paradigm that keeps you stuck in, fuck, I got an ear infection. What's wrong with my ear? I got to go to the hospital. Give me something to cure it before anything happens, you know? Exactly. It's the same... Same way of thinking. I mean, if we just took a step back and realize that,
2: imagine trying to put satellites in space the size of the Earth, the Moon, and the Sun, Mm. and try to have them orbit around each other with the precision they do while moving at unimaginable speeds through space, while also orbiting around the center of the the galaxy, Mm. with the Earth doing a 25,900-year procession of the equinoxes, on its access mm. creating all these atmospheres and the seasons. And it literally comes back after 25,900 years to the second in the same place.
1: Mm. Yeah. And
2: we don't think that's phenomenal. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So when you, when you start to wake up to the fact that there is such intelligence in everything, mm. the song in our head,
1: mm-hmm. the
2: memory from childhood that we, that pops up in our mind, mm. The little bird or the little color that flirts with us outside, the little body symptoms, even the challenges that that come up, Mm -hmm. all of it is part of a dreaming process. And Mm. for me, when you look deeper into that, not only does it bring a lot more information, it provides a richness to life that Mm. you're part of a larger dream, that you're co-dreaming and that everything that's happening to you, all the people that come into your life, all the challenges that have all of them are there to awaken you Mm. through an intelligent process. Mm. It makes life so much more rich.
0: Super rich. So for you, for anybody listening who goes, okay, dreaming. Yeah, dreaming. I'm interested in that. Because what you're talking about is something like the word dreaming for the person living in the materialist paradigm Mm -hmm. who's stuck in like this is this and my life is x and i gotta be this and the earache is a you know the result of some bad bacteria or go take me to the doctor whatever it might be They you're dreaming and they go the thing i do when i go to sleep at night but that's not you're talking about something much that's part of it deeper but you don't
2: have to you don't have to go to sleep at night to dream right right so i mean your body symptom Mm. Is part of a dreaming process. Mm.
0: Um, You're talking about the undercurrent.
2: I'm talking about imagine, imagine like an ice cream cone. Uh-huh. And on the top, the ice cream that you can see yeah. is, is like reality mm-hmm. that we experience. I have an ear infection. I need to put some hydrogen peroxide in there mm-hmm. or go take a medicine or whatever. I went mm-hmm. swimming and I got some water in my ear. Yeah. Then in the cone, the part that we can't see is this dreaming layer, the symbolic layer, Mm. the metaphorical layer, the archetypal layer, Mm -hmm. the dream figures. Mm. And then all the way down at the bottom where the cone comes together to a point, that's the essence level, the pre verbal energetic level that every, all of that actually emerges from Mm. the infinite point of potential. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a simple exercise that we could do. I mean, just to show people, but like, if you just think about your ear for a second, And then just close your eyes and then just allow yourself to be a little bit foggy or dreamlike, like a no mind kind of just meditative state. And then when you feel ready, open your eyes and scan the room and just see the first object that flirts with you or calls your attention. Just whatever really just jumps out at you in this whole space.
0: The white wall.
2: The white wall. And so if you were looking at that white wall and you were looking at it from its perspective, back at yourself, is there a message or a tip that it would give you about, about your ear or about the process you're going through?
0: Yeah, totally. Do you want to share it? <laughs> It's really, I mean, it's the message that's been coming and it's be, be clear, getting clean, you know, be clear of any cl- be a blank slate. Yeah. Just be a blank White slate. Light. Yeah, exactly.
2: So that, that's it. I mean, what did it take? Two seconds. Yeah. All you did is look around the room mm. and recognize that you're in relationship with everything in this room. And mm. there's, there's a deeper intelligence that your body will literally attract an object that will have a meaning for you in a dreamlike way mm. on one level on CR and the ice cream cone. It's just a white wall mm-hmm. Yeah. on a dream level. It's a blank slate and uh-huh. a clean slate and yeah. a white light Yeah. and a, and a deeper meaning of what you need to do. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about mm-hmm. is that those things are happening all the time, even with people that we hate. Like if we totally, think, if we think about like, um, so true, you know, maybe we hate a Trump, let's just say you know, uh for example, a lot of people love him, a lot of people hate him, but sure. it, it doesn't matter to me, but let's yeah. just say you're you're a trump hater mm-hmm. you could ask yourself, where am I a little bit trump like mm. where am I a little bit egotistical? where am I a little bit patriarchal? Where do I not care about my impact on others and then where do I actually need to be a little bit more Trump-like in my life?
1: Mm.
2: Where do I need to just say whatever I want to say without holding back, really speak my mind and really go for what I want and what I believe in or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like all of this stuff. It's all, it's, we're all, we're all dreaming up everything into our life.
0: Yeah. I love that added note because a lot of times it's, where am I like that? Or where do I need to clear that place in myself? Where
2: do I need the energy? Maybe not in the way that they present it. Right. And so like, if I was, if I was going to, you know, physically show that Trump energy, it'd be like, like a finger pointing or something. Uh And so if I deepen that and I deepen that underneath there, there becomes like a dreamlike character that can emerge. Mm. And it's like, where do I need this directness
1: Mm.
0: in my Mm -hmm. life? Not, I don't need to
2: be like Trump. Right. But when you go down the
0: cone. The essence
2: of There's the consensus reality level. There's Trump. Then underneath in the dream figure, there's this archetype of maybe whatever that is. Mm. But then all the way down in the bottom of the cone, there's a pre-verbal before words energy Mm. of assertiveness, directness, of, Mm -hmm. of single pointed focusness. Right of takings, what I want, Uh going for it yeah. that maybe I need in some particular way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a big message. I mean, in anything, like you're saying, to be able to look at it and go, where do I need to be more like this in my life? Where do I need to be more shut off in my life? What do I need to be more open to in my life? Yeah, take both sides. That's the fun. I love that. that. Yeah. I love that. That's so expansive, dude. How does somebody? I mean, take your story, man. You were, you were, a fucking hard charger on Wall Street. Yeah, youngest ever partner to Paul Tudor Jones. Yeah, one of the most successful guys in trading the weather, which is another yeah. interesting thing. When what was the thing that? Because I'm sure at some point you were walking around going trees, a tree, the wall's a wall. <laughs> 100%. I got to fucking trade. You know, I got to make money, et cetera. Where, yeah. does, where, where does the pin drop and the light comes in and we go, oh, there's something deeper here that I'm missing. Yeah. So,
2: you know, I was, we've talked about this a little bit, but for the listeners, I was 26 and mm-hmm. I was on the top of my game financially. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd already made millions of dollars. I was like damn
0: killing this, it killing it
1: <laughs>
2: but on the same time i was killing myself uh-huh you know i was 330 pounds i was you know and i'm i'm 5 8 you uh. know i was i was a heavy heavy sick guy you know and it's um in
0: more ways than one
2: yeah you know it's it's really tough being that heavy yeah it's I, really tough man it's like
0: i was 330 myself I mean, I'm six. Yeah. But six. you're like double the size of I me. Mean,
2: <laughs> it's a little bit different being an yeah. offensive lineman than yeah. being a, tr- a sedentary trader. Yeah. Totally. Do. Um, at least your, your weight actually served you. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean, just finding, finding clothes that fit, you know, yeah, sweating yeah, yeah. all the time, totally, just yeah. feeling like crap, uh-huh. you know, it's just messed up. Um, But, you know, for all those out there that are are struggling through something, I mean, it was a really necessary part of my life to Mm. really be able to understand what somebody in in those shoes is going through. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the the wounded healer, the same path that you've gone through as well, you know, having to go through that. Now you can offer that to the world. Uh But, you know, for me, I was in this place and, you know, I, I started to recognize I have more money than I ever dreamed of. I was 26, Mm. but I feel like shit. I have no love in my life. Mm. My emotions are a disaster. Mm. My mind is a disaster. I have no bigger why. And I was like, what's the point of all this? Mm. I'm just going to fricking die at 35 and be medically drugged or something for the rest of my life, the short life. What's the point of all this? Mm. So I started getting into exercise and I exercise like, a freaking demon. A maniac. The same way I took on right, everything. of course. And for two years, I just was like two times a day in the gym before and after Wall Street, working out like crazy, just like total CrossFit mentality, mm. for lack of a better word. Just balls to the wall. Mm-hmm. And I lost 170 pounds, and wow. I, was, I was like 160 or something. But now I was completely burnt out. <laughs> I was totally fried. Uh-huh. I just basically transferred the same addiction I had to partying and drugs and private planes and limousines and food to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really get anywhere. And so here I am now with tons of money in my bank account, a physically fit body, but I still felt empty. Yeah. And I was like, there must be something else. Mm. And that was in 2009 when I met Paul Mm-hmm and I went out to see him. And How'd you meet him? I was working. the The person who I was working with was a gentleman named Chaba Lucas. He was a he was a somebody who knew Paul. He had a gym in downtown Manhattan.
0: So you'd go train
2: with him. I go train with him twice a day, uh-huh. like a madman, seven days a week. And we got to a point where it was just like the end of the road. I'm like, I lost all the weight, and I'm fucking. There's still something. can't get an erection. Just burnt like uh-huh. stage four adrenal fatigue. Just a mess. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. And um. He's like, well, you should probably talk to Paul. Mm. So I started talking to Paul. I realized he had, you know, incredible insight that I'd never heard about in my life. Right. I was like, here's a guy with a fifth grade education <laughs> that taught me more in one Zoom session about how to take care of my body than I learned going to the University of Virginia uh-huh. and, you know, good undergraduate schools and high schools and things like that. I was like, I never learned anything in school about how to eat, how mm. to move, yeah, how to sleep, how to play. How to create? Mm. How to make love? Mm. How to dance?
0: How to live?
2: How, or that actually, who I was was not my body, but was a soul mm. driving this car. Mm. And don't get so attached with the outer layer because there's actually something deeper inside.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: None of that. Not once in school. <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable to you? Yeah, that's totally kindergarten wild. in India. Wow. Yeah. That's ashtanga yoga. That's mm. day one. Uh huh. You're not your body. Mm. Here's how you take care of it. Mm. Here's how you eat right. Here's how you sit in the right posture. Here's how you breathe. Mm. Here's how you focus your attention. Here's how you pull your energy. in. here's how you meditate. Here's how you chant. Here's how you do all these things. It's like okay, now you know the basics. Now let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we don't learn any of that, right? Yeah. I mean it's unbelievable. None of it. Yeah. So here I'm meeting Paul, and I'm like, so open my eyes to all this stuff. And I went out to meet him in 2009. I had my first, you know, psychedelic experience with mm. him. And that just blew the doors open. Mm. It just blew the doors open. I was like this 800-pound gorilla just came off my back. Mm. And it opened my eyes to this whole another level. And then I just was, I took that same drive I had on Wall Street to just studying. I started studying with Paul. I started studying with masters and teachers all over the world. And an interesting thing is I realized that even all of that studying and how all of that was so (sighs) phenomenal and rich and bettered my life, improved my performance at work, Supported my new relationships and my children and all these things. There was still something I was trying to improve with all that. Mm. When, I was in, when I was seven years old, the, one of the first memories I have, I came home and I gave my mom my first report card in mm. first grade. And she looked at it and I was expecting a good job and a reward. And she said, eh, this is not quite good enough. Mm. And it just pissed me off. Mm. And I just flipped out. And then I started just going for it in school and going for it in Wall Street and taking a job that had a constant report card. Every Mm. second of every day, you know your worth based on the markets. You wake up in the morning, you know, right from the time you open your eyes, if you're going to have a good or bad day before you even get out of bed and check your phone. Mm. And then I took that same desire and started studying with all these people and try to be the best in the world, you know, the the best student with every single person. Mm. Only to ultimately realize that this whole thing was me trying to get appreciation and achievement and accomplishment and verification from outside sources. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I had to find that within my own self. And that kind of solved the puzzle. Boom. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's my, that's my gig, brother. Yeah. it's my story. <laughs> well, I think
2: that's a story of a Many, lot of us. Yeah. yeah, That's it.
0: I mean, that's the crux. That's really the crux.
2: And unfortunately that path of getting external approval is insatiable. Mm. It's a horizon point. You never hit it. Yeah. There's never enough. Yeah. There's never enough. It has to come from inside. Yeah. You know, the native American and, and native cultures in general they view success as how many people are you feeding mm. how much nourishment do you have? How many people are you nourishing? How well are you taking care of your tribe? Mm. not like how many accolades you have on the wall, which is right. more typical to our our environment and so mm-hmm. for me though, you know what i've learned is i i I'm a yes and guy
1: mm.
2: I want both mm. you know i think it's it's not good to exclude anything, yeah, mm. go for it, but also find the achievement and find the nourishment from inside. And also totally. t- take care of yourself and the people that you're around.
0: I agree, man. I love that. I love that philosophy. Um, where are you now in the inner nourishment, self-love department? Mm-hmm. Seemed pretty good.
2: Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a constant journey, isn't yeah. it? You know? Yeah, it's totally. It's a constant journey. Because I mean-
0: there's always something that comes up. There's always some, and it's about where are we at now? There's when no plan for, per,
2: sorry. I was going to say, yeah. there's, there's no plan for perfection, is there? Mm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: when, you, when you're perfect, nothing moves, nothing happens. Uh-huh. And so I believe that life is an epic, courageous journey mm-hmm. of growth and discovery. Yeah, my teacher Jeffrey Armstrong says that we, we we don't live in a universe; we live in a university.
1: Mm, that we're he, that. we're here to learn,
2: <laughs> we're here to grow, and we're here to experience. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I mean, some of these old habits do creep up, but the more tools you have, the more time I have with them, I think the more I can love myself, and then ultimately, the more love I can give mm.
0: and share. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. Totally resonates. I mean, for me, like you, I recognize my whole football career was this Herculean effort to prove my worth to the world. And then coming out of that, the podcast has been that and every in the yoga teaching and the events and all of this stuff like everything i do there's some there's some shadow less and less there's some shadow of prove proving it prove it man show me you got what it takes dude i'm reading this incredible book wild at heart right now john eldridge you read it no it's all about manhood masculinity and a big part of it is at some point in every young boy's life and We get a mother wound and a father wound. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I had a big mother wound. Now I'm realizing there was a father wound too. Mm -hmm. And the father wound is never having the question answered of, hey, dad, do I have what it takes? Am I a man? Mm -hmm. And usually, it's no fault of any of the fathers out there. This is just a big recurring theme for all of us that literally – Drives us in everything we do for most of our lives until we get to a point where we recognize it. And then for me, I found, okay, so that's there and I'm, that's totally insatiable and I'm never gonna, I'm, if I live my life in accordance with proving my worth through what I'm doing, there's always gonna be a hole to fill, Mm -hmm. you know? So the shift for me has been, How can I, or let me rephrase, let me lean into what fills me up or what what creates a sense of wholeness in joy and purpose and being of service. And let me lean into that rather than doing all this stuff just to prove something out. Yeah. you know um, and I would imagine you're you're very much like tuned into that like yeah. the thing your trip to Alaska for instance like you're doing that because you feel really called and I'd love to hear about that yeah you know
2: yeah I think one of the things about this before we get there about this thing about am I a man am I, am I man enough for you dad mm. is that we have a very distorted image of what a man really even is yeah what is that image of the man that we're even trying to be. Yeah. And does our dad even know what that even means? (laughs) Probably not. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so a lot of this comes back to, I think, um, a more primal component of, we don't have an image of the divine masculine Mm. and the, and the divine feminine Mm. that happened in, in in some of the cultures of the East, Mm. that there's no image of the divine. That it's, it's not a man and a woman. It's a divine masculine energy and a divine feminine coming together. A godlike tantric experience uh-huh. that you're, you're in relationship with, with something that is transcendent from this plane. Mm-hmm. And that all of these relationships are a way to connect to the divine itself mm. through your pet, through your lover. Through your child, through mm-hmm. your best friend, and so forth. Through your work. Through anything, yeah. really. Yeah, through being it in, all. Being in service. A thousand percent. Um, so, yeah, that's just a big thing, I think, is that we have some of these missing vitamins uh-huh. from early on. And one of them is not knowing that we are a soul. mm that we you know we identify so much with our skin color and our size of our body and our hair color and our looks
1: mm-hmm. but
2: there's so much more deeper than that. Yeah. We don't have a good image of the divine masculine and feminine and you can see how that's playing out right now with mm-hmm. gender identity and you know role confusion and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And we have we have another big problem too is we don't believe in more than one lifetime. Mm. Which puts us in a really precarious situation that we only have one shot to get this right and if we don't we go to eternal hell that doesn't seem fair to me yeah (laughs) no matter what card cards we're given yeah that's what situations are we're just like we're walking this tightrope of like making a mistake and then we have one imagine if you gave like a child something and, and then they broke it and you're like okay you're going in your room for forever yeah you yeah. know what I mean? Totally. You know, it's just it's just yeah. silly. It's just no, it silly. is. That's such an and it interesting creates so one. much anxiety. Uh huh. Because we feel like we have to get it right now. Mm-hmm. We have to get it right, and that you know we're just there's only one shot, so we must just go for everything and not even enjoy the moment and just take and extract everything from the earth that we can. Yeah. Without even thinking about the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, it's so true, man. And isn't that such an interesting thing? because from a from a superficial mainstream society perspective, you would think that that would aid people in their journey to accomplishing more or living a better life. Mm-hmm. But it does exactly what you said. It creates yeah. a lot of anxiety, a lot of resistance. It shuts people down. It becomes this burden like, oh, fuck, I better get it all right this time. I better be perfect now, you know? And when you let go of that and you go, hey, maybe I've got thousands of lifetimes to perfect this. You actually settle into a place, a state of being that's more postured towards creating peace. And what I would call, if we can get anywhere close to perfection in our life, you get closer to it by releasing yourself from that anxiety.
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, for me, what I've found is that it's a little bit of um, a paradox and that we have to live like
0: there's no tomorrow.
2: Any moment we could get hit by an 18 wheeler. Yes. And at the same time, recognize that we have infinite lifetimes, Uh huh. how to straddle both of those at the same totally time do. where we, where we just recognize that. You know, so many people are are working till a point where oh, I'm going to work till I'm 65 and then collect my pension. Well, you know, you, the average life span for somebody like you is 71. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what are yeah. you really doing? Yeah. What are you really working for? And do you look around the people that are around retirement age? Do they look happy? Uh, do they look healthy. And so, you know, we have to have this mentality of of living for the moment. Right. And asking yourself, you know, in, in Carlos Castaneda's work, The Teachings of Don Juan, the Yaki Indian, mm-hmm. he says, use your death as your spiritual advisor. Mm. That imagine your death is standing behind your left shoulder. Mm. And recognize that it could tap you at any moment. And when you're unsure about a decision, turn to your death death, and ask ask it, him, her, I don't know, if I had one life to live, would I still do this decision Mm. that I'm doing now? Mm -hmm. I mean, that puts a lot of things in perspective. So living like you have one week to live and at the same time, paradoxically living like you have infinite numbers of lifetimes. Yeah. And it's sort of like, imagine if you're surfing and you're sitting out there in the ocean and you know, you're waiting for a wave and nothing's coming. And then you look over there across the, you know, across the way and you see a bunch of waves So you just, you know, you're swimming over there, you're chasing after it, and you get over there, there's no waves, (laughs) and you look back and there's waves where you were. There's Uh something about that peacefulness Uh of resting in that Mm eternalness that allows you to be patient enough Mm -hmm. to see and track and stalk that wave that that is coming Mm. right to you, sitting in that stillness and appreciating it,
1: Mm.
2: not panicking, not chasing after something, to allow you then to see the wave coming through.
0: Even trust, to trust and have faith, you know, it's such a big thing. Like if you trust and have faith that there's something, some greater intelligence so far beyond your capacity of anything that's guiding the ship, it really allows you this opportunity to let go of the worry, let go of the anxiety, let go of the, oh, I got to be over there. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm here and this is the all powerful moment right here, right now let me anchor into this yeah, because the wave is coming. You know? Totally. You know, there's this, you see in, in a lot of the
2: Western religions, we have this idea of more like blind faith. Mm. Just believe, just believe. Uh But something that yoga and psychedelics do well is they give you a direct experience Mm. where you just know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You go from like, I think you, did you put up that Carl Jung yes, thing? Yes, exactly. He went, you know, I used to, what did he say? I used to believe in God and now I know uh-huh. there's a God. Yeah. In In Sanskrit, they call that, there's a word for, called it Shraddha, which mm. is like direct knowing mm-hmm. in my bones. Yeah. I've chanted, I've postured, I've meditated, I've had experiences mm. to really know. Yeah. And not have blind faith because somebody told me or I read it in a book. Yes. And I think that's a big
0: difference. That's a powerful difference. Yeah. I love that. I love that clip of him. Yeah. The moment I saw it, I was like, I got to put this up. Because you're almost expecting, I think the journalist was almost expecting him to say, no, I don't believe in God anymore. You know? Yeah. But instead he was like, it's a hard question to answer because I know God exists. You know? That's like. Yeah. And exactly what you said. Yoga, psychedelics, that's really the power, meditation even. It's the power of these practices that gives you that direct experience of the divine. Yeah. And when you know that, fuck, man, your world, your life transforms when you know. Because you're not walking around. Have you ever read the book, The Secret History of the World? No. Really incredible book.
2: You give me a lot of great... Reading list
0: today. Same. You too, man. And, you know, yeah, I mean, um, but in that book, he wrote two books. Forgetting the guy's name right now. One of my favorite books of all time Secret History of the World. He also wrote The Sacred History of the World. Okay. Two big books. Secret History of the World is really talking about the evolution of consciousness through the lens of the secret mystery schools. Okay. Uh, otherwise known and you know mainstream culture is perhaps the occult societies like the the golden dawn the rosicrucians freemasons all of those groups and um which many people believe to be like dark forces and communing with the devil and all of this stuff which is really actually just a amalgamation of all the ancient wisdom that dates far back to ancient Egypt and beyond all of that stuff. And they've taken all of these, these principles of how the universe functions and they're putting them to use. The Illuminati was a manipulation of all of this stuff. That was actually a real thing. Like there was a professor in Belgium who took all the teachings from the Rosicrucians and the golden dawn and manipulated it to control people. And that's what he created the Illuminati. So that is a thing, but what he's talking about in the book, he does this really brilliant job of articulating the evolution of consciousness and how paraphrasing when people in ancient Greece or ancient Egypt were writing these, these stories about communing with gods and speaking to spirits and connecting with divine entities. That wasn't just parable. That wasn't analogy or myth. They were actually, that was their experience of life, like talking to the trees, mm-hmm. talking to the animals, like communing mm-hmm. with these, with these beings that we perceive as being non-lingual or don't communicate that way. Right. But then through the evolution of consciousness, like this table became this real thing, you know, and only the things that we can see, touch, taste, feel, smell that's what's real. It's just a white wall. Right. It's just a white wall, dude. There's nothing mystical or interesting about it. Right. But he's what's really interesting is like he talks about this evolution of how our consciousness basically concretized, became more solidified mm-hmm. and less open to the ethereal realms, mm-hmm. which has led us to our current state of being where mm-hmm. we're in the ear infection. That's an ear infection. You're sick. That's what's going on. Get pro get antibiotics, go to the doctor, etc. Mm-hmm. rather than there's an actual fucking message here going on. Mm-hmm. I saw another post weirdly, Because, you know, the algorithms are listening to everything we say. But I saw this incredible post. It was Jim Carrey. And he said, the ear is your womb. Anything that comes into it will be birthed Mm. in some time. And it was like an ear. And then next to it was was like a little drawing of an ear with a little baby, a little fetus inside of it. And I thought, oh, how perfect. Because that's exactly what I'm experiencing here this is the message that i'm receiving from this um but going back to having to do with what you're talking about man of opening your perspective opening your through faith through knowing god that we get to access these deeper realms of information these deeper lessons that are happening all the time in our lives. It's rather than that person's an asshole going, Oh wow, this situation that's going on with my friend, my loved one, my partner, whoever it is. Oh, there's so much here for me to learn from, to expand and grow my, my soul basically, you know, Mm, totally, and shifting that. That's such a fucking massive shift in your life when you can do that, when you make that leap into that. And I think having faith and trust and knowing that there's God and there's something, whatever you want to call it, the universe, spirit, whatever it is, you know, but just having that knowing that there's something far beyond your ability to perceive that's guiding the fucking journey.
2: You know, just waking up each day with a child's like mind. Yeah. Having a I curiosity. That, you know, we we think that the world is ninety-nine percent known and one percent unknown. Mm. But the reality is is that it's ninety-nine percent unknown. <laughs> totally. What is the we, we can see one percent of light. Totally. We can hear probably one percent or less of sound. We can't uh-huh. even hear like a dog whistle. Yeah. But our dog can hear it. Yeah. You know that we can have such a small perception of smell mm. and probably color and all sorts of things and when you recognize that there's so much more invisible potent energy astrology planets seasons information animals all of these things that are constantly moving around us and part of us you know you were talking about the deer dance that I did in mm. in Alaska you know, I went to Alaska and I spent a couple of days building a sweat lodge, which is a profound experience. You know, I've been in sweat lodges before, but actually Amazing. cutting down the trees and, mm. you know, before you even do that, praying and singing songs and drumming and playing flute and, you know, making offerings and then cutting down the limbs of these alder trees that can then be used and intentionally staking off places and walking around the circle, dropping cornmeal and tobacco and singing and praying. And I mean, it was a two day process of ceremony to go in this lodge. Unbelievable, dude. But then we move into the third day where, where I've done, I, I've agreed to do seven years of this, this deer ritual mm. where you dress up in regalia, like deer horns and masks and all this clothing and go into an experience where you dance all day to become the animal. And the whole idea is that, You know, we think it's the Zodiac, but it's really the Zodiac. Mm. All of those signs of the Zodiac are all animals. Uh Leo the lion, Virgo the ram, whatever. Those are literally the animals that we're riding around on. Mm. Right? Mm. We're riding on these animals. Well, wait a minute.
0: The Libras, the scales. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm a Libra. I feel like I'm always riding around on the scale. you riding
2: around on a balance beam. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, but I love that, dude. Yeah, we're riding around on we're riding around on
2: these animals. Mm. And so, you know, there's this whole That's just getting back to this whole dr- dreamlike nature of, uh-huh. of, of things. But, you know, Was
0: that was there any was the dance, the medicine? Was there any like No, there was medicine too. Oh, okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, Wachuma. Oh, okay. Wachuma, which is a, a native Cactus uh-huh. used traditionally in those ceremonies, amazing. Which actually wasn't quite that strong, right? You have to take a lot of it yeah. to ha- to get that altered, but it was just yeah. enough to open up the
0: gates a little uh-huh. bit. Um, so the medicine truly is the medicine. The is assuming the spirit of this animal, losing yourself uh-huh. in the
2: in the dance, right. Dancing like nobody's watching. Yeah. Moving around, clawing on the ground like you just don't give a shit. Right. Until you break through and you literally become almost deer-like. And then just like kung fu masters would watch tigers until they have crouching tiger. Mm. Or they watch toads or frogs until they can leap like them. Mm -hmm. And they create kung fu... programs off of watching animals Uh we have so much that we can learn from all the medicine in these animals and recognizing that on some level that's a part of us Mm. and we can harness that ability in this dreamlike nature that we've been talking about underneath the consensus reality of ebon there might be a deer and a eagle and an elk and a turtle and whatever
0: Mm -hmm. what came through for you oh at the end of it what was the big message maybe you're still sort of yeah well
2: you know the big one for me is like I was mentioning you earlier is, is being that, that stag, mm. you know, there's a great story about the stag deer. The stag deer is smelling this scent. Mm. This kind of like musk that's coming, mm-hmm. but doesn't know where it's coming from. It's this intoxicating heavenly scent. Mm. And it starts, it spends its whole life looking everywhere for this scent and it can't find the source up high, mountain tops down low. Mm. And in a very old age, It stumbles down the hill, pierces its own belly with its horns, and while it's lying there taking its last breath, realizes that the scent was emerging from its own stomach the whole time. Of course, dude. And so, like, it's really it. It's this this Uh idea that I find myself in these experiences recognizing that I'm still searching for more And if I just look around, if I look at my beautiful family, if I look at my home, if I look at my Mm. course that I've created and the things I've accomplished, I've already made it.
0: So good. And it's just
2: about really appreciating that. Mm. And so the stag itself is one who's already worked through its own crap Mm. and it doesn't need to, oh, look at me, look at me, Mm. Uh, be noticed. It could just stand there Mm. and hold space for others to go through their work in an act of service. And for me, it's really stepping into that. And like the other thing about the deer is, you know, I always had this idea of deers as being kind of stupid, like deer in headlights. Uh-huh. You know, you see them on the street and you're like, what are you doing? Get out of the road. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. especially where I live, there's tons of deer. Uh-huh. But they have this
1: gaze
0: mm-hmm.
2: that emerged to me, mm. this looking deeply, this mm-hmm. is stillness, this looking deeply right into you. Mm. So many times when I find myself talking to people or people talking to me, I will avert my eyes or mm. like, I don't look right into them. You know, that deep namaste, I see you for who you are. Yeah. And that's something that I learned in there as well. And, you know, there's just also something about getting down on the ground, her uh-huh. thing and smacking the ground, yeah. getting your hands in the dirt. Yeah. We're so much living up in our head. Yeah. And like you know, I just keep
0: it clean. I need to wash my hands. I don't put, we don't touch touch earth and everything.
2: You know, I'm, I'm about to have my fourth kid this year. Wow, dude. And there was something about coming through of,
0: you're going to need four legs this year
2: (laughs) for your four kids. Stay grounded. Stay close to the, I love that.
0: Yeah. What a powerful message, dude. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it, definitely feels like that's where you're at in your life for that message to come through yeah. being the stag. Yeah. You know, um, just with everything you're doing and moving into, like I told you earlier, I mean, Jared would tell me about you all the time. And I'd be like, dude, where the fuck is Jason? Like <laughs> we need to be, he needs to be teaching us classes uh, from all the masters that yeah. he's studied with, you know? Well, I think we're, And waiting. here you are. Yeah, I mean, it was just the right timing. You know? Yeah, man.
2: You know, the thing about that
0: consciousness book
2: you read is do- a doctor, the history of uh sacred history of the world or history of the world. Dr. Kareem from Biogeometry shows mm. a very simple but interesting graph. He says that the older ancient man or mm. human, uh-huh, um, was mostly right brain dominant.
1: Mm. We
2: were very yes. much in our right brain. And so we were completely one with nature. We were talking yes. to the spirits. We're talking to nature. We're interacting with our environment. Exactly. We understood this dream like nature. Uh-huh. And then as we evolved, like imagine going into the industrial revolution. Right. We moved more and more into our left brain. Yeah. Where now we're completely left brain dominant. Yes. Logical, linear, consensus, reality, Newtonian physics, et cetera. mm you know, it's fascinating. Is just a white wall. He talks about that. And now the future human needs to move back halfway, right? Split the left and the right. Uh-huh. That's why, in this age of artificial intelligence, we need to get back to the body. Mm. We need to be mm-hmm. able to recognize that we have to input into the system mm. coming from a place of the deepest wisdom. You know, the human body has billions of years of evolution in it, right? AI has maybe. Five, ten years of market research. Uh-huh. This body is market
0: tested. Yeah.
2: It is refined. It is a fine wine. And then uh-huh. some of it's fermented wine. You know? Uh-huh. It's like there has been years and years and thousands of generations and evolution yeah. of refining this body and the dreaming system and the absolute amazing intelligence of our heart.
1: Mm. And
2: unless we get back to this, we won't know how to use that technology purposefully because the same technology that can clean water or cure cancer can make a, an atomic bomb mm. mm-hmm. and you know if you look something up on ai you know first of all there's not that much information on the internet these days with how much is censored mm. so you're getting a one-sided biased view yeah and in some ways there's as much information for something as there is against uh-huh. and so how do you make a decision ultimately you have to get back into what's congruent with you Mm-hmm. Where we started this whole thing, you know am I incongruent with this? is my heart aligned with this? is my body aligned with this? is my dreaming process aligned with this, and then you can use those technologies effectively, yeah. which I think is absolutely essential to survive and thrive in the coming years.
0: I think you hit it on the head, my bro hit it on the head. How long have you been going
1: 122.
0: Oh, beautiful man um well, I'd love for you to share with everyone what you got going right now. Yeah. Trip, you're on your program. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, we'll cap it off with what we're doing together.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, just a real quick, real quick, uh, sometimes it can take a while yeah. to get into it. But, you know, basically we talked about the Wall Street story. Something interesting about that that I don't know if I told you about that before, but this might be interesting to to everybody who's trying to find the real passion out there, is before I had this dream to be a Wall Streeter, I had a love of drumming and magic in my mm. life. And so, on one hand, I had the identity, the consensus reality, the ice cream of the drummer and the magician. Mm. But underneath the drumming or the drummer was something like rhythm mm. in the dreamland. Mm. And underneath the magician, was something like a sense of wonder Mm. or aha. Mm -hmm. And then underneath that, there was an essence level of like a heartbeat pulsing through me or spontaneity that is like pre-verbal. And then I went on to be this trader. And when I left trading and I left the role, probably very similar to when you left the NFL, there was this huge death of that identity Mm. where I'm like, who am I? Yeah what is my role here? I used to be this really important person. I was in tons of meetings and emails and I was managing a billion dollars and I was having huge swings and I had people working for me and answering to me. And I had a lot of responsibility,
1: mm.
2: a bunch of computer screens. All of a sudden it's like fade to black. Uh-huh. And I was like, shit, who the hell am I? Yeah. And I'm like, did I, did I lose all of this? Mm. Did I just give up all these skills? And like, what am I doing? Mm. But I realized that underneath the trader, the role, the identity of the trader, what made me good at that was my ability to tap into the rhythm of the markets. Mm. And as I traded weather, I was attracted to something where I could get into rhythm and the ritual of nature and the weather patterns themselves and feel the beat of the weather. Mm. In the Mm -hmm. same way, when I would create profits out of thin air, it would seem like I was pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Mm -hmm. It was like, it gave me that same sense of wonder. Mm -hmm. And now as a coach and as a creator of this course, The Abundance Archetype, which I'm about to tell you about, what really drives me is helping people create rhythm and ritual in their life. And when I see them deepen into the deepest parts of themselves, I get that same sense of magic and wonder. Mm. And so for everybody out there, think about like, what did you, what was the first thing you loved to do before anyone told you what to do? Right. And think about what was it about that, that you truly loved. What was the essence of it that really got you mm. and see how you can incorporate that into your life and work now. And so on that thread, when I left wall street, I was feeling a little bit like, I don't know what to do. And I had explored for the previous 12 years before that or more, all of these kind of self-help and human optimization, personal development skill sets. And I decided to explore those more deeply. Mm. So I jumped into a million certifications. You know, this is during the COVID time. So everything's now online and I have access to teachers around the world. And I kept studying my ass off and kept going and going and going. And I was like, I don't even want to be that trader guy anymore. I don't like him. Mm. He's crazy. Uh He just cares about money. He's nuts. He just watches the screens all day, you know? (laughs) I don't want to, for you, it's like, I don't even want to think about that NFL guy anymore, right? Yeah. It's just like, forget about him. He's Uh nuts. And I just wanted to be this coach and this therapist and the Mm. facilitator and all all these kinds of healing things. Mm -hmm. Only to find that all the roads led back also to my Wall Street career. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get away from it. Yeah. And I recognize that my truest gift... The place where I could follow what I love to do and be of deepest service and the de- and meet the deepest needs of the world was combining all of my skills and talents. Mm-hmm. It was really my own inner deep democracy. Mm-hmm. And so I created this course called The Abundance Archetype that takes together all of my years on Wall Street to help people develop a process of how to look at investing or how to look at their business and also to make themselves the best investment mm-hmm. and how to develop a process to be competitive and to be successful. Mm-hmm. And also this whole concept of marrying the wealth piece with the well-being. Because mm. just like there's just been this divorce of the world and purposefulness and science and religion, mm. science will tell you that a hummingbird will flap its wings 70 times a second. But who can answer the question of who created or what created the hummingbird? Mm-hmm. I want to know what created that beautiful being that can do that. Yeah, Not how many times... If I dissected it in a lab, Uh you know, how many organs it has or something like that. Yeah. So for me, I saw this huge divorce where all these people on Wall Street had money and had no spirit Mm -hmm. and no health. And all these people in the self-help world have the spiritual connection, have the relationships, but They don't have any money. Uh And, you know, I realized that, you know, through self-mastery and developing all, taking all the things I learned from all all of these journeys and putting them into an an eight-step process for developing yourself, and then also applying that to your business, then that's what I'm calling abundance, Mm. which is essentially knowing yourself, knowing who you truly are, knowing that there's only ever one of you ever on this planet with your fingerprints, you are the one snowflake that there will never be another one. And to the degree that you can master yourself and what you really love to do, you become indispensable to the world and ultimately successful. And this, this marriage of wealth and well being is what I'm calling abundance, not one or the other. Love
0: that, dude. And so that's that's the the high level. It's fucking dope, man. You're a master of that. You're a master just talking to you for hanging out for the last, I don't know, two and a half hours, whatever it's been.
2: I've really I've really enjoyed it, man. I Me really too, have. dude. And I'm so excited about our little thing coming up. You Me talk too about that man. a little
0: bit? Yes, please. Um well we're talking about, we're creating a program that, should we save the title or save the title? We'll save it. I don't know if we, yeah, I don't yeah. Know, maybe we we'll save that. Um, but really looking at creating a program for me to, I think something that I really connect with and, and I'm connecting with it actually even more. Because your brother keeps asking me if I've watched this documentary on Netflix, the the quarterback documentary, and I I haven't. I like that one. And uh, I'm realizing I haven't watched it because there's a part of me that's still like, I don't care about football. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want, I'm not interested in it. And yet I recognize there's also this, this light streaming in that's going, this is a big pathway for you to go back into. you know? As you're passing the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but taking this process of self-realization and putting it into a program, being the best possible athlete you can be, being the best possible human being you can be, through all of the practices I wish I had when I was a pro football yeah. player
2: all of the all of the medicine that would have kept you healthy and, and, and made you more sustainable basically all of the hard yes. lessons that you learned <laughs> along the way through blood sweat and tears
0: exactly
2: and surgeries and all that you know you've now have a level of mastery and wisdom that you're you're able to offer to people to really be a high-performing athlete without ruining their relationships, their spiritual connection, their health, their longevity, you know, from student athlete to collegiate athlete to professional. It's going to be an absolutely incredible act of service. You know, in the same way, it's the marriage of the things in my course is that I think we think like being an athlete means that you have to just bury yourself and you can't be you know into certain aspects of well-being just like in the wealth component but what you're offering is really an opportunity to individuation and self-realization through peak performance Yes, it's it's quite badass
0: yeah i'm fucking stoked about it man and i i greatly appreciate you supporting this and being a producer of it. So yeah. uh, I'm let's, fucking let's go, stoked. Man. I can't it. wait. Let's go, bro. <laughs> um, where are you off to next? I know you got, you got some, yeah. are you going to see Shervin or did that I'm, work out?
2: Well, no, well, I, I'm, I'm going down to Paul's. You're going to see Paul. i going to Paul's for, for his birthday. Uh huh. And, um, after his birthday where Shervin's going to be at his birthday. Oh, okay. And a couple other people, Kyle Kingsbury and, um, it's a good group. It's a good group. That'll it's a good group fun. of us for his birthday. I'm excited to spend, spend birthday with my buddy. And then I'm going to do four days of private work with Paul, which, nice. I, which I've been doing for the last 15 years, Um, which is just really, really sweet medicine for us. We just yeah. spend time together, talk, share, you know, he's one of the, the only people in the world that I can connect with on that deeply intimate level that we've gone through a lot together through, mm-hmm divorces and highs and lows Uh and journeys and you know and so we get together we share we eat we sweat we work out we do medicine we do lots of inner work and healing we play we dance we make art we stack rocks and we just have a good time and so i'm super excited about that i miss my family a lot actually Uh it's really hard to be away i'm realizing man i just I just miss my kids, you know, it's it's so hard, but you know, it's also really important, you know, and, and, and this, this being, this being away is so deeply important to the return. Yeah. And it's this big thing that I found actually in, in, in my work life too, actually, Mm. that so many times when you're like working on something and you're working, you're trying to figure something out that, the real geniuses understand the interplay between work and rest,
0: mm, yeah.
2: work and play. Yeah, You work, you work, you work, and then you have to give the process over to your right brain, your dreaming process to inspire a new way of looking at it and in, in a slightly altered state, maybe even to inspire some kind of new outlook. And that's exactly how I created my course. I was like, Ripping up drafts after drafts. I couldn't figure out what I was going to do. Mm. I went on this hunting trip. Right, right. And and I I just sat under a pecan tree. And all of a sudden, the whole map came in by paradoxically letting go of the work. And so, yeah, I think this being away, being away from work is so important then for coming back and being
0: re-inspired. But I I do miss my kids. Yeah, I understand that one big time. Yeah and it's really true i mean we we took a family vacation in new hampshire uh, in july and it was a true vacation and it was a complete reset i came back so inspired and enlivened and ready to fucking rock and roll dude so that's that's one that i've been learning as well yeah you know like it's not all about just fucking grinding and putting your head down and working and pushing through it's like that that has its time and its place but you also really need to take time to let the universe let god in create that space for the inspiration to fall in
2: we all know these moments come like when we're not working like when we're in the shower or driving down the the street or on a trip it's like only in these moments of relaxation can we open up to something new where we could be inspired to look at something differently and a lot of the best companies out there know this. They devise games and breaks and mm. off sites and things like move, mm. move seats around, have people mm-hmm. go eat somewhere mm-hmm. to change it up. Yeah. And when you change things up and you relax all of a sudden, you know, play ping pong in the office. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden it's not wasting time. It's yeah. actually creating.
0: Totally. Love that. Dude. So much good in here.
2: Yeah. I got to have you out to my house too in New York. Next oh yeah. Sunday. I know when you go visit your family out there, let's do that. Organize that. Love I would to love do
0: that. to have you there. That'd be awesome. We'll do it, bro. Thanks Thank for having you. me, buddy. Thank love you, man. man. Loved it. Loved it too. Everybody check him out. Jason Picard, the master, the wizard, check out the abundance archetype. A lot of good stuff coming from this dude. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Lots of love. Give Paul a hug for me. Always. And I'll see you guys on the flip side. Peace.